Hello, creepy cats. We are back with another episode. Today, I will be telling Jackie about a UFO sighting reported by the U.S. Air Force and the apparent cover-up that occurred afterwards. This sighting is known today as the Rendlesham event and is one of the most controversial UFO sightings in history and one of the creepiest. Ew. cats we are back and today we have the second episode of paranormal army military stuff (laughs) (laughs) spooky on duty spoop very much on duty spoop what are you gonna tell us about today melissa i'm gonna tell you so this one is very famous actually this event (gasps) What is it? Yep. What is it? And it is... So, I will just say it's an event that took place at the Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk, United Kingdom. So, this one doesn't really have a name. They'll call it, like... They'll make... They'll make it similar to uh, something that happened in the United States with another um, sort of event like this. But if you just type in Rendlesham Forest, it'll come up Rendlesham Forest event. Mm. So... This took place. One of those. Yeah, and this took place in 1980. So. Wow. Old. Yep. And like Jackie's story, a lot of my detail. I first heard about this story, even though it is kind of famous. I heard about this from Paranormal Witness. Yes, the best show ever. Just sponsor your girls at this. Literally, point. put us on Paranormal Witness. We love that show. And you know what? Sci-fi. <clears throat> I love sci-fi. Let me just say Resident Alien on there. I recommend that show to everyone. It is so funny. Sci-fi is popping. I know. And they have so much stuff now with women getting into fiction and fan fiction. I love it. So good. We should end, we should somehow get a show on sci-fi. Yeah. So this is Paranormal Witness Season 3, Episode 20, The Rendlesham Files. I also think this is one of the best directed episodes that I've seen, in my opinion. So... Go on. And this place, this incident took place on December 26th, 1980, the day after Christmas. Yikes. Mm-hmm. No one would have thought. So, again, this was in Rendlesham Forest in Suffolk, United Kingdom, specifically at the Royal Air Force Woodbridge, or RAF Woodbridge, which was being used at the time by the United States Air Force. And they said on the show that this was a self-proclaimed, quote, nuclear alert base, end quote, because the base held nuclear weapons and specifically the atomic bomb. Oh. Well, I don't know if it's like the, but it had atomic bombs. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of scary. So safe to say it was very high security on high alert for intruders. Under lockdown. Yeah. They did not... They clearly aren't playing because they have a lot to hide there. Um, so all the workers were very intelligent people, no-nonsense type. Um, you get it. So around 3 a.m. on December 26th, a security patrol... So it's funny, too, that's 3 a.m. That was literally Christmas, the night of <laughs> Christmas. 
Okay. Not funny, actually, but sad. A security patrol near the gate of Raff Woodbridge saw lights that appeared to be descending into the nearby Rendlesham Forest. Sergeant James Penniston was the first to respond. Um, so he, you know, immediately got in his old cart and drove over there. And he said he knew right away that something was different based on just the call-in. His, whoever it was that informed him, I think his superiors, usually would tell him what the problem was or what the alert was, but this time they did not. So he kind of was like, oh, something's, something's up. They didn't know. What up? When Penison arrived at the gate outside of the base, he saw that the entire canopy of the forest was lit up and something was dimly flashing. He assumed from his experience, because he had been um, over seven years in the Air Force at this point, he knew what he was doing. He assumed that there had to have been some sort of downed aircraft that landed in the forest, and that was what was flashing. And so, um, Penison and a local police sergeant, because they, I don't know if they called the police, well, someone had to call the police, but, like, I don't know if it was someone specifically at the base or if they just, um, someone local called them and they just came, but, so, there was a police sergeant that came as well, and so, the police and Penison went into the forest, um, because they saw the lights and, again, they assumed that there was just a downed aircraft. But when they actually went inside, it was kind of odd because the forest itself was dark. They couldn't really see. They didn't see what they suspected. There weren't any flashing lights or anything like that. Um, And additionally, when Sergeant Pennison tried to call over to base on his walkie-talkie, the radios were down. And something was interfering with the signal between the woods and the base. And they were very close together. Obviously, because you could just, you know, like, take a little, um, something similar to a golf cart and take it from the base over to the woods. So they were really close, and so there was no reason why there should be any problem with the radio. I'd be shook. Yeah. So they were more concerned about, you know, they weren't really scared. They were just more worried about security. Oh, my God. Yeah, they were like, my. (laughs) Did you just hear the Pittsburgh in my voice? Security. (laughs) (sighs) Security. (laughs) They were... Security. That was bad. They were more obviously worried about the security of the base, and they were scared that if someone was interfering, that they now don't have a radio signal, and there could be potentially an enemy aircraft that's down. Steal their atomic bomb. Yep. So they are... They need to figure out what's going on. And they're looking around. They don't have a signal. The next thing the sergeants heard was squealing, Ooh, and they it's realized... Me. It's me squealing. <laughs> that noise that Jackie just made is exactly what they heard in the background <laughs> in the woods. It was us too, and you were telling me a creepy story. <laughs> we landed on Earth. And I said, what's up, creepy cats? <laughs> um, and they realized that there were farm animals nearby, and that's what was making the sounds. So the animals were all making these noises and all frantic and the men were, that was making them more nervous as well because they obviously were thinking, what is here that's making these animals all frantic and scared? They can sense it. Yep. So the next thing that 
Pennison and the police um, sergeant knew there was a small size vessel in front of them. Pennison knew immediately that the aircraft was foreign. He said that he had seen prototypes and vessels beforehand that were advanced in technology. And the vessel that he was looking at was outstandingly beyond anything he had ever seen in his life. Mother of God. He actually got a little choked up on the show. Um, He, like, had to collect himself, you know, like, put his hand up when he was trying to kind of remember and tell them the story. He was just amazed at how far in advance and high-tech this object that he was looking at, this vessel, was. Um, Both sergeants said it was not an aircraft or a helicopter, and... They were just staring at it before they could even compose themselves to say anything or investigate. They were just shocked. (laughs) When they've gotten themselves together a little bit, they walked around it, did a full 360, gave it the up-down. I'm sure it felt uncomfortable, like all women do. (laughs) Get the (laughs) up-down in this foreign place. Yeah, this little object, this foreign vessel was like, um... I'm calling my mom. I'm going back to my planet. Bye. (laughs) Mom, I'm scared. (laughs) Can you pick me up? Yeah. So they went around and they gave it the up, down. They looked all around it. And again, Pattinson just said the technology was far, far beyond ours. There were symbols etched into the side of the aircraft, too. It was really odd. They clearly had some significance, but... They looked almost like hieroglyphics um, because Penniston actually had the bright idea to write down the symbols in his notebook he was carrying. Smart. Yeah, I don't think they had uh, cameras to take a picture, but he just immediately drew them in his notebook and he noticed that there was one symbol that was a lot larger than the others and he wanted to touch it kind of to just see. And when he touched the largest symbol, he said it seemed like he touched an on button. That the symbol sent a charge out, almost as if the vessel had just powered on. And Pennison touched, um, or I'm sorry, the sergeant said he was terrified because he thought the vessel was going to just explode. But it actually kind of just turned on and a bright white light came out. And it was so bright that it blinded both of them completely. Wow, that's crazy. I wonder what it was. And when they opened their eyes, when they could finally open them, (laughs) they weren't blind permanently. uh, The vessel was completely gone from their sight. They didn't hear it? It was just completely quiet at that point. That makes it far more creepier that it's silent. (laughs) And listen to this. Once Pennison was able to collect his thoughts, he just wrote down in his notebook two words, speed impossible, and underline impossible a bunch of times. That is so creepy. Speed impossible. That's crazy. The drawings and that little note, you can find those on Google. They are um, collected and they did use those. Um, they, Like I said, they look almost like fancy hieroglyphics. They have a kind of triangle and lines, sort of like that type of deal. Um, <clears throat> so, again, police did come that night, but 
in their report that they wrote later on, they said the only known lights lights were from the Orford Nest Lighthouse on the coast a few miles away. But clearly, Pennison and the other police uh, sergeant did not agree because obviously Pennison is like, this is my job, first of all. I am, I've worked in the Air Force for seven years. Yeah, like, and I then, know what I saw. Exactly. And then the other guy's, a, uh, he works for the police. He is also of sound mind. They're, He's like, I don't even know why I was here. <laughs> truly, they both know what they saw. And so they're clear with what they saw. But... That's okay. So that same night, Pennison did report the incident and gave up his notebook. However, they were, when they were asking questions, he wasn't freaking out because he said that he knew if he was freaking out and saying a UFO that they would obviously be like, go home. Oh, it's the 80s. They would have been like, he needs a psychological evaluation. Exactly. So the police sergeant, he didn't say anything to the police about a UFO. And Pennison just said he was answering the questions, but he was still, he showed them the drawing and told them what he saw. He just wasn't making it a huge deal. But he did say he was really surprised because afterwards they didn't interview anyone else or take statements from anyone or actually look into it. There was, like, no questions, really, that they even asked him and they didn't ask anyone else. Yeah, they're like, who cares about this foreign device, Mm -hmm. aircraft, and, like, that's really close to an atomic bomb that we have. Mm Mm-hmm. So there never was an actual formal investigation or statement done with what Pennison said, but he says that that's no fault of his, that he was like, they just didn't really care. So Staff Sergeant Monroe Nevels worked as the photographic lab on base, and he was one of the main instructors in chemical warfare and defense at the time. He said he was approached by... Uh, the lieutenant who said he needed to discuss a matter in private and he asked Nevels to go out to the forest and complete an independent investigation of the scene. So this was just like the same day. This wasn't anything separate. Um, This was just once it was light outside. The lieutenant told this guy who knew everything about warfare and defensive warfare to go check it out. So he went to the forest and he said that he saw three indentations in the ground all the same size the same width from one another they were um obviously like in a perfect triangle and neville said it looked almost like a large tripod was set there (laughs) and there were burn marks on the nearby trees but above their head not really just on the ground, like up in the trees and the leaves were scorched and everything. Ew, like a big light or something went up there. Yeah, it like was just... Like a big light shone through. Like yeah. Like they said the light went, you know, if it was really hot, it would burn through. Yep. And Weird. it got dark um, a little bit by the time that Neville's was there. He went later on in the day and the sun started to go down He put on his night vision goggles and was looking around and he said that he noticed some movement in the corner of his vision and when he looked through, there was a blinding white light that came through the goggles. What the heck? So, Neville's could see, barely. (laughs) Could see. Barely. Barely. (laughs) Like that YouTube video. That was him. He could barely see. (laughs) But... 
Legit, yeah. I think that song's written about this alien encounter. Yeah. <laughs> Sarcasm, obviously. But he said that it, this is so weird, too. When he could see what he could make out, even though the light was blinding him. <laughs> <laughs> even though he was blinded by the light. And then the weekend. Ooh, 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 <laughs> the oh my God. He said that, Neville said that he saw it looked like an eyeball. So not an actual eyeball, oh. but he said that it was a black light that he could see in the center. And it was kind of dilating and getting smaller. Almost as if like, something was trying, was beaming and trying to focus on him. It was watching them. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden it stopped and everything was completely quiet. And next thing Neville knew, the light was moving closer and closer again and was flashing more intently on them. It's coming for them. Yeah. Almost as if it was chasing them or about to abduct their ass. It's on them. Yep. So, um, right after that happened, uh, well, it's, this again isn't funny, but, so in the meantime, the Lieutenant Colonel James Holt, he was on base at the Christmas party and he had, he got, uh, someone came and got him telling him that something was going on in the forest and he was, he left, he was sure that, um, he had known that something was going on in the forest the day before, but someone came into the Christmas party and said, the UFO is back. Ew. Holt, obviously, he was on a mission to prove that there was no UFO, no one was outside, and he just wanted to calm everyone down and get back to everyone just hanging out. Not hanging out, but, you know, having Christmas party and yeah. other people on base can just relax. However, he, Holt knew that this was already out of control when he pulled up and saw 25 men around the forest, in the forest, and there were numerous vehicles. Holt said he was surprised when he saw the police sergeant there as well, the one from the night before, because he really thought that this was just going to be something explainable and easy to deal with. He's like, I was not anticipating all this. Exactly. I wanted to go to the Christmas party. Yeah, literally. A Benny Hanna Christmas. That's all he wanted. <laughs> oh my god. And if um, you don't know what I'm talking about, it's an office reference, so. Saki and eggnog. <laughs> Holt went to the same site with the triangles in the forest, and he took readings using a device that would detect radiation. And the device was put over each little triangle indentation, and the meter would go wild. And it actually went so high that the meter moved off the scale. Meaning, whatever had touched the trees and on the ground had some form of radiation when it touched. Crazy. Wow. It was, like, literally from, like, the cosmos itself. It was. Truly. At this time, Holt pulled out a personal tape recorder and just started to speak things into the recorder to document his findings. This also can be found online. Because they had a situation going on at this point. Hell to the yeah. Someone should remix that recording. <laughs> he can be heard um, discussing how odd the markings were, how something must have landed and dug itself into the ground before it took off. And, ew, this part's creepy. 
The next thing they knew, the barn animals nearby became extremely active and irritated, and they noticed it. Then again, they became totally quiet. Halt himself says, hey, this is eerie, regarding the intense silence. Then, suddenly, without warning, the lights that they were using to illuminate the forest and look at the ground where uh, it had landed the previous night, they those went out, and the forest was pitch black. And once again, it was very silent. The police lieutenant then said, Sir, over there. And they look, I know. Could you imagine how fucking creepy? That's literally the last thing I want to hear. In the distance, it was an extremely, extremely bright, glowing object. Again, with a dark center. Such as, you know, a pupil of an eyeball. A pube. A (laughs) pube. Such as a very giant pube. (laughs) At the center. At the center. And the object was so bright that it looked like it was just on fire. Halt said in his recording, this, okay, he said, quote, this is definitely weird. It appears that pieces of it are shooting off. And then he gets all quiet and he says, it appears to be moving towards us. And so all of the, he said that he, again, was seeing him and the police, off, the police sergeant from the other night were seeing what he, the police sergeant had seen. It looked like it was a black pupil that was focusing in on them and it was moving towards them now. But they have more people with them, right? Yes, there were okay. others. And so it started to move towards them. And um, the object was so bright. Sorry, so it was moving towards them, and Holt said, it's definitely coming this way, because it was just getting brighter and brighter, and they could tell it's it's coming for them. No. They all kind of got down, and they were, Holt and the police, they all hopped on the ground as if it was, like, to hide, as if it was going to beam them up or something. <laughs> and without warning, the object exploded and moved into five smaller pieces, into five white balls, that then moved into the sky and they moved around so quickly and disappeared. And next thing that Halt knew, he saw two large UFOs colored moving two together, moving northbound across the sky and one moving southbound across the sky. And Halt said he knew it was moving at supersonic speed because they were moving twice as fast as a helicopter And all of them were moving in sync with one another. They were all moving at the exact same speed. Just flew across the sky. Alien gang out. Right? Disperse. They're on to us. They're like, we were one piece, now we five piece, now we three piece. (laughs) Everybody, get out as soon as you can. They just like all get in a little. But truly, how did it go from being one piece to then five smaller pieces to now three pieces? I have absolutely no idea. It's like those little dolls when you just, like, take them out and there's more inside. <laughs> just, like, just continues to break out into the A universe. Russian doll. Yeah, they just break out into the universe and you can fly away. Oh, my gosh. At the speed of light. <laughs> um, I don't like this. Right? So scary. So, simultaneously, as Halt and the men on the ground and in the forest were watching the objects fly through the sky... Major Lieutenant Ike Barker was in the air traffic control tower just watching the radars. Lieutenant Barker noticed on the radio, radio, 
noticed on the radar that there was an object traveling so fast across the radar that it was actually a straight line moving across rather than a blip that moved. So typically, you know, it would go blip by blip, go do-do-do-do, oh, and move across the screen slowly if it was a plane. He said it was moving so fast, it was just a line across the screen. He was like, what in the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Before he could even... It was that little video of that <laughs> groundhog thing that just screams. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, wait till later. Before Barker could even call to start tracking, before he could even call anybody and get help, the object was off the radar completely. Next thing he knew, Barker looks out from the control tower and sees the object, quote, right next to the window, slowing down. It was huge. End quote. <laughs> the object hovered in the air at the window, and there was just dead silence. It wasn't making any noise like an engine or running or anything. That makes it way worse. Just eerily silent, and it's ginormous. Gargantuan. The next thing Barker knew, the object was stopped and hovering over the area of the base where the nuclear weapons are kept. Oh my god. At the same time, Holt... How does it know where the nukes are? Bitch, it's omnipotent. <laughs> Holt is still recording. He's still in the forest, like, after they just witnessed the lights go crazy and saw them fly away. He also sees this aircraft, this huge aircraft, hovering over the weapons storage area where the nukes are kept. And he is heard on his recording, breathlessly, saying, this is unreal. He didn't even know what to say. And then a beam of light came down from the craft and started beaming over the storage area directly. Oh my god. It's pretty obvious that the storage area... It knows. Was beaming on purpose. Wow. They are very, very intelligent. Holt and the men were visibly and... They were just... Exactly. They were so scared. They weren't even saying anything at this point in his recording. They... Obviously, they were just completely terrified because this object that they is unidentified and flying at a speed they've never seen, is hovering over everything they're dedicating their lives to protect. Everything they know and love. Their livelihood. And they're very scared. Um, similarly, though, to the times before, one minute the object is hovering with a beam, and the next minute it is totally gone from sight before anyone can even watch it fly away. The men were instantly relieved... Knowing that the nuclear weapons were safe, there's no conflict. <gasps> They're like, thank God, because we would have lost our jobs. We're good. No one's getting fired, and there won't be another Cold War. <laughs> However, the men at the base now, they were left with so many questions. Um, they were like, okay, I think that half of them were left with questions, really thinking, what in the hell? And then I think maybe the other half were kind of just like, Okay, well, nothing happened, and we're fine, so That's how some people rationalize it. Like, oh, let's look at the positives that nothing happened instead of questioning it. Exactly. But Lieutenant Colonel Holt, and he, he was not, he was very shaken by this. 
1981, he wrote a top-secret report called the Halt Memo and sent it to the Ministry of Defense regarding the incident and um, everyone who was there. Holt said he was more concerned about the security of the incident. Security. Jesus. Such as the events could have been mistaken for Soviet activity, obviously, because in the 80s, that was their concern at the yeah. time. And he said that this could be some sort of, be mistaken for some sort of enemy attack from someone, and it could cause all sorts of confusion and mess. And Holt said he knows he is certain that what he saw was an unidentified flying object being operated by a highly intelligent individual. I'm speaking with my hands when I just said that, if you can't hear <laughs> To elaborate how wild that is. Exactly. It wasn't just an object moving around. He was certain it was being operated by someone of intelligence. He, Holt, um, there was no activity really ever taken on that memo. I know that in 2010 he was subpoenaed, uh, or there was, um, an affidavit again for this issue. And he... Again, even after 30 years, maintained what he said in 1980. In 2010, he said, I saw what he saw. He gave her over, gave over all the documents and everything. Pennison agrees with Holt. He says he claims that he thinks the UFO was there specifically to gather information and report back on that information. Yeah, I'm sure. It knew exactly what it was doing. He it had a mission. Exactly. Tennyson agrees with Halt and claims that he um, thinks that this was, there's no way it could have been anything other than a UFO being operated by someone of intelligence. Ike Barker, um, the one who saw the UFO on the radar and then saw it up close and personal, he admits that he covered up the event in the fact that he didn't tell anyone, he never would admit to what happened. He, at the time, didn't say anything. He said he was nervous because he really thought that people would see him as some kook, in his own words. I mean, yeah. I'm not really surprised. Mm -hmm. But he said he doesn't care now. He's being honest. Um, because, quote, those kooks are people. They are real people. End quote. Aww. I know. He's like this little old man, too. And in his time, he is basically saying, I was one of those people who said, no, this didn't really happen, but... It did. He, so, like, here I am. Mm-hmm. Um, because skeptics have since tried to say that, you know, like skeptics always do, they'll come up with this reason and that reason. They say that the event could be um, misinterpreting natural events, such as a fireball, extremely bright stars in the sky, or the Orford S. Lighthouse um, astronomers have said that the, the only explanation to the initial lights seen by Holt could have been, um, something that was, oh, they said that the only explanation for that would have been like a star or something exploding, I guess, when it hit the atmosphere or was coming That's to just Earth. just as crazy. Some skeptics think that Holt and Penniston made this whole thing up and want publicity by alleging a conspiracy theory and government cover-up. And there is a whole theory regarding, you know, fireballs and the objects falling from the sky. 
But that's too much to go into because they, they're they saying that there could have been, based on the initial reports, different objects happening. They're saying that, you know, like maybe when the police sergeant and the other one were out the first night, they saw something falling from the sky and then maybe, I don't know. So like two coincidences basically, which is like, yeah, right. They're alleging a lot. They're alleging that there were coincidences and things like that. So if you guys want to go read up on what the causes were, such as how a star or how um, an object, a meteor or something could fall from the sky and create what would be seen as such a bright light and a dark, seemingly laser pupil <laughs> about to beam you up. That Last is, now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I am obviously not going to say that's not true because I don't have that intelligence, but what I am going to say is that Holt and Penniston and Barker, they're all clear that what they saw was not natural in the fact that it had intentions. They said that they knew it was intelligent. They could feel it. It specifically went over to where they had the nukes and it beamed that up <laughs> and... They said that they knew every single time that they were trying to focus and, like, research it and go look at it, the beam would come and blind them. Exactly. So, they do not think that it's natural. No way, no how. Mm -mm. Again, um, Lieutenant Colonel James Holt, he has been very outspoken about this. He talks about it. I think that there's actually been a book written about this. Um, There's a lot more on this, but... Again, I do believe them because I think that all of them have more to lose than they do to gain by saying this. They really do. Yeah. They're all true. older men now. Like, but, And he wrote this the day after in 1981. Now, there are people, like there are police officers and other people, I believe, on base who say that they didn't see any of this and that they dispute this. But, again... This there are multiple people on the show agreeing with what he saw, and there were they were at different points on the base and say yeah. they saw the same exact thing at the same time. So, it's up to you. That's crazy. Let it be your own adventure. You can live it how you will. <laughs> but I, I think liked it was it. paranormal. But that's my opinion. I liked it a lot too. UFOs really scare me. Yeah, that one was really weird that they knew, like, where the nukes were. And they were moving at supersonic speed. I don't like that. They probably just sucked, like, all the radiation from the nuclears and, I don't even know, used it to leave. (laughs) Did something. Laughing at our podcast, another another cosmos, thinking how unintelligent we are. Thinking that we're peasants. Uh, Don't come for me. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode, everybody. Let us know if you guys want more of these UFO type ones. Yeah, more paranormal or more like crime. Yeah. We started noticing, again, that we're getting a lot of um, international listeners. So, to all our international listeners, hey. Hey, come follow us on Instagram and like tell us where you're from and what's up. Because we can see where you're listening from. We've had more international peeps lately and it makes us so, so, so happy. Yeah. Our our repeated listener in Russia, whoever you are. Yeah, we need to figure out who you are. We have like one person I see who consistently you. listens in Russia and we want to know who they are. I see you listening, so yeah, come do. find us. <laughs> yeah, come find us and thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast. 
or send us an email at ew, that's creepypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.